Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. And welcome to Maximize Your Influence. Good to be here. This is Podcast 415. Gert Mortensen here as we take a deep dive in the world of persuasion, motivation, influence, mindset, self-persuasion. And today, how to close the deal, how to seal the deal, your call to action to get more yeses. Remember, our goal here is to teach the skills you should have learned in school to teach other people. We all know that persuasion, motivation, influence is a huge indicator of your success in life and business. And it's no secret, I've said it before, most CEOs have a sales and marketing background. Because we all persuade, motivate, sell for a living, whether it be you, whether it be your ideas, a product or service, your children, somebody, someone, you have to persuade, get them to think like you, or better yet, Get others to want to do what you want them to do and like doing it. Because I know it's painful to think about, but how much money have you lost with your inability to persuade influence, that promotion, that deal, that relationship, you name it, we're going to improve it. Pat yourself on the back for being here. I'm excited to have you. And of course, a little housekeeping, everything you need at MaximizeYourInfluence.com, including the archives. Access to InfluenceUniversity.com. That's our advanced influence training. The free book, the latest edition of Maximum Influence. Just pick up a little shipping and handling. And take your free Persuasion IQ assessment, see where you rank, and get a little something, something. All right, let's dive into the Persuasion Blunder of the Week. Omar. Don't, don't, don't. So unless you've been uh, sleeping under a rock, there's this thing called Zoom and online webinars and all these, we call them sales pitches, have gone to Zoom or Skype. And I guess we don't see too much of Skype lately, but it's a different type of animal. I know this week I did three days in a row, eight hours a day of Zoom. It's tough on the instructor. It's tough on the audience. And if you were listening last week, Marshall Wilkinson said a lot of people aren't asking for the business via Zoom. He's a big-time negotiator. I know there's Zoom fatigue, again, for both parties. And you get a dilution of presence, charisma, and energy through Zoom. So as an instructor or person that's leading the Zoom call, the energy level's just not there. I mean, it's one thing, when you're in front of a room, man, you feel the audience just giving you energy and you can last forever. I can go 12, 15 hours with a live audience and you don't get that through Zoom. And so with that setup on this blunder, here's a group of high-end investors investing in real estate. And this company's talking about multi-million dollar projects. They need investors. And I'll tell you, this presenter was sitting down and I can't really blame him for that. Most people do. I like to stand up. I like to whiteboard when I'm doing it because me more energy, I think has a better impact, but sitting down, the background was messy. There was a lot of sniffling, touching the face, which is probably okay for most, but you know, when you teach detecting deception, touching the face could be, not always, but could be an indicator of stress and deception. 
And I know he didn't practice. There were a lot of ums, ers, vocal fillers. There was no clear call to action at the end. Now, I'm sure it sounded good in his head, but it just didn't come out that way. And just the reliance on the notes, the reliance of the PowerPoint, there's another blunder right there we've talked about. You're the presentation, and if you're just reading the notes to an audience, that's presenting, not persuading. That's informing, not influencing. We've talked about that. We can improve that. It was just a mess. Then there was a verbal packaging. Now, that's one of the 12 laws of persuasion that deals with your voice and how you use your voice. And, of course, the words you use. Now, first of all, his voice, the vocal fillers, very slow rate, monotone because of the reading, uh, minus 10 points. And then the word choice. Every word you use can attract or repel. What is it that Mark Twain said? The difference between the right word and the wrong words, the difference between lightning and a lightning bug? So think about that, because Eric kept saying if. Well, it depends on the situation, but when is more persuasive. But... Well, we all know that negates everything in front of it. Oh, you look great, but, okay, you're going to be in trouble for something like that. Could have used and. And he kept talking about cost. Anybody in business knows you don't say cost, you say investment. And one of the things that really drove me nuts, it was a 60-minute call, and he was going to for sure take 60 minutes. <laughs> that drives me crazy. If your audience, if the person says yes after 20 minutes, uh, shut up. You want me to sugarcoat it? That's a huge thing. I've monitored thousands of presentations, and I see this time and time again. Presentations go on, the decision makers in the room, there's the CEO, and 20 minutes into a 60-minute presentation, the CEO says, how fast can we implement it? And then you hear, well, I'm not done with my presentation yet. <laughs> okay, done. If you keep persuading, that's over-persuasion. That's going to have the opposite effect. And I've got that sense going on here where, no, 60 minutes, i got to go 60 minutes. Uh, no, you don't. If they're willing to give you money, say yes after 20 minutes or whatever it is, shut up, get the yes, and move on. All right, just saying, that's the blunder. There are all different pieces in there that we can work on, so don't be the blunder of the week. So that brings us to listener email. Oh, boy! By the way, we use your email on the show. You get the gold version of Influence University for free. And those are our advanced tools and techniques where you can learn a new influence tool every week. So this is the email which will lead us into the article of the week. This is Matt from Michigan, looks like near Detroit. Says, hey, Kurt, hope things are well. Was looking on how to close the sale and I found your podcast. It's really been helping me out. I just moved into sales last year and needed some help. And your tools and techniques have made a huge difference. He says, I found this post on closing mistakes and wanted your opinion. I know you mentioned many aspects of persuasion and sales have changed. What has changed in the world of closing the sale? Thoughts? Matt from Michigan. All right, thanks, Matt. And let's review it. Now, first of all, my thoughts, yeah, a lot has changed with persuasion influence sales from to more Zoom, video conferencing, phone calls, to trust being at all-time low, to a lot of those cheesy high lactose closing skills don't work anymore. Even those things, you know, looking around someone's office for something to talk about, even on a Zoom call, kind of backfire because everyone's doing it. The fear, the anxiety, there are changes. And you've heard me say this before, and let me clarify it a little bit because I get in trouble for this sometimes. Using closing skills is like trying to get a kiss after a bad date. <laughs> 
So on a date, if someone doesn't like you, trust you, doesn't want a second date, they're not going to kiss you. And that happens too many times with closing skills. We think a clever phrase or a technique is going to help us out. And if you've done everything right before, it, it will. There's a good thing to ask for the sale, to close the sale, to seal the deal, your call to action, whatever you want to call it. But I think we go there too fast. I think we use cheesy, outdated tools and techniques. There are a lot of times people see right through them. They've been abused, overused. And if we use them, that puts us on the radar. Ding, ding. They're trying to sell me something. You get resistant. So there is a time and place for closing skills. I think we use them again too soon, too much, too cheesy, right? The old outdated ones. But when done in the right way, they can be very helpful. Or would you do a great presentation? What happens is they should close themselves. Hey, you see the power of that? Yeah. All right, let's get going. I mean, it should be that simple. If you've done everything right, it can be that simple. It's not always going to be that way. I mean, there'll be resistance. There'll be objections. You might need a closing skill. So, Matt, let's go into it. And we'll post uh, this link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. It looks like it's from SuperOffice.com and Zarima Plexage. They have their list. You know, I have my own personal list. But let's go through it and see what the changes, what I think, and to help everyone out. Because we all need to ask for the business. Ask for the sale. Ask for the yes. So the first one, listening and talking too much. Yeah, that hasn't changed. That's still a major blunder. You should definitely be listening more than you're talking. You've heard me say it before that introverts are now more persuasive than extroverts. What? Yeah. Extroverts are salesy. They're pushy. Let's resist. Introverts, they listen, they ask questions, and we know the secret. Great persuaders ask three times more questions. They are better listeners. They listen with their ears, their eyes, and their hearts. Because let's talk about this for a second. Because you can just throw persuasion darts and hope they stick. Feature, 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 right? Or you can listen and ask the right questions, and they'll tell you everything you need to know to persuade them. You can guess, or you can do it with greater accuracy. This article says 60-40. That would be 60% listening. It might even be a little bit higher than that, but we can all get better in listening. And I've said it before, pausing before you reply is not listening. Truly listening, taking notes. They're the most important person. When they feel that you understand them and you're customizing what you're doing for them, you get them, then the doors of influence open up. Nobody wants to feel like a one-size-fits-all. And the challenge as a salesperson, sometimes it is, and you know the solution, but they still need to feel that you get them. Number two, offering too much for nothing. This is a trend that has been a problem and that is getting worse to where a lot of salespeople become unpaid consultants where, oh, free advice, free thoughts, and they never do business with you, especially if you're on commission. So information's power. You've got to be careful to limit that, to make sure they're not abusing you and using you because you want to win the prospect, right? But if you give out too many insights, you become a free consultant then they're not going to value. You're just a free consultant. Why would they purchase from you? They're going to purchase for someone else that has asked for their business. Agree, that does happen, where they just want to use you for your information, your thoughts. Careful there in your attempt to win them over that you don't become just one of the easy, free people. That doesn't sound very good. But anyway, the person they get anything for free without really ever doing business with that person. Third one, not focusing on the solution. This historically has been a big challenge where you vomit the features, the logic, logic, you don't get the emotion. 
they can't see themselves doing it. So, yeah, I mean, that's still there. I think what we really need to focus on to shift gears here is if your prospect can't visualize themselves doing it, if they can't see themselves doing the solution that you're proposing or they want, or they can see that you're giving them the solution that they want, they're not going to purchase. You can't close them. So sure, we could do better on features versus benefits, logic versus emotion. I think we could do a lot better, big picture. They can see themselves doing the solution. You've offered social validation of other people doing the solution. They can visualize it. They can see it happening. Then you can ask for their business, and that makes a huge difference. Now, the one disagreement here is like, oh, features, benefits. If you're dealing with a subject matter expert or a purchaser, they can already see what the benefits are. You don't need to spell those out. Next one, focusing on price, not value. We spent a lot of time on that one. Yeah. Return on investment. You get what you pay for. Only 6% of things are bought on price. Those are things I'm going to add to that. Okay. If they say it's too expensive, you've blown your presentation. You haven't built the value. Go to the archives. We've done whole podcasts on building value. So we know that one. We could all improve there. Next one is making promises you can't keep. Overpromising and delivering. We've heard that one before. A challenge. It is a complaint. I've heard it before many times if I've interviewed people after you've tried to persuade them. So a couple things. They talk about overpromising and delivering. We get that one. We know that one. You always want to provide more than they expect. Love expectations. That's a maximum influence. But the one I want to add there that I've seen lately is you don't keep your promises. So there's one thing about overpromising, but let's just talk about not keeping your promises. Oh, I'll get you that information this week. I'll get it to you today. I'll get it to you by noon. I'll call you back. A lot of times with sales, we get so busy, we forget what we say. Yeah, we'll get it to them sometime. But a lot of people, if you say Friday at noon or you say this week, you got to get it done this week. So be careful that you keep your promises. And when you make them, write them down and make sure they happen. Talked about this one last week, not having an intention to close the sale, just not asking. You know, everyone gets nervous. Your demeanor changes. It's like, oh, let's do this. It doesn't have to be that hard. Do you see how this can make you an extra million dollars a year? Yeah, great, let's go. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that stressful. It should be fun. That's the end of the game. That's why he gave the presentation. Ask for their business. They say no, okay, we move on. Or we work through the three or four no's to get to the yes. Get in the right mindset. This article states that 63% of all sales interactions end up with the sales rep not even asking for the sale. I agree. That happens all the time. Well, they weren't ready. They weren't interested. It was the wrong timing. We always ask. We take their temperature. Always ask. Always ask. Agree to that one. And again, for my research in Persuasion IQ, big complaint. Talking to consumers, the people you're persuading, is you get to this close and your demeanor changes and they're like, what happened to people person? Where did they go? You're persuading the whole time. You're closing the whole time. Whatever word you want to use. Don't let your demeanor change. If, if anything, be more excited. This is the moment of truth. This is your paycheck. This is what gets you the yes. This is why you did the whole stinking presentation was to get that yes. So make sure you're asked. Why spend an hour if you're not going to ask for the yes? All right. We're doing pretty good. Most we're agreeing with. Next one is not being ready to overcome objections. Yeah, yeah, there's truth to that. You should be ready for every question, every objection. Be ready. You don't have to solve them. But let me add the term that I like to use is inoculation, where you should probably pre-solve objections. So first of all, do be ready for objections and potential questions. 
You're not going to address them unless they come up. But if you know there's an objection that's going to come up with, say, 90, 95% accuracy, true, great persuaders pre-solve it before it happens. That's what I'm going to add. I'd rather have you pre-solve it than wait for it. But only pre-solve it if you know it's going up. And then the other 90% you have ready to roll. You have the responses for those questions and objections. There is truth to that. Because if you're the expert and you don't know the answer, a lot of times that can backfire on you. <laughs> Here's one I, I chuckle because it's like, well, duh. But it still happens. Arguing with a potential customer. I think it's more uh, proving I'm right, they're wrong comes across as arguing. For most salespeople, they don't feel like it's arguing. It's like, well, I'm the expert. I'll tell you what to do. But when you bruise someone's ego, you back them in the corner, you prove they're wrong, it shuts the doors to influence, and you can't close them anyway. So, yeah, there's some truth to that. And it's fun to win. It's fun to back them in the corner. But most salespeople say, well, I don't argue. I agree. You don't think you do, but you come across as a little combative, maybe a little short with the customer, or you interrupt them. That could come across as combative or just show them that they're wrong and you're right. All fun to do, but again, it can bruise the ego, back someone in a corner. I had a contractor at my house that was telling me all the things I want to do were wrong and dumb. Didn't really say those words, but that's how I felt. And yeah, it didn't get a call back. Didn't like the demeanor. Didn't like a lot of the suggestions. It's my house. Kind of want to do it my way. Mm, all right. Be careful on that one. Next one, not doing your homework. They use the old one, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail, okay? And we talked about this last week with negotiation, preparing for negotiations that you're either going to pay with your time up front or lost money on the back end. It's true with persuasion. I know you're busy, but a little homework, finding out what people do, a little research can go a long way. Even if it's just finding out their style, their personality, their background, the more you can adapt before you get there, the more successful you're going to be. It just allows you to bring the right tools. Remember, most persuaders only use three, four, five tools. There's over 100. Not that I want you to bring 100, but if you can prepare, you can know which tools you have available to use. And let me add to that. Here's a huge blunder, a huge change, Matt, is that they're doing their homework too. In fact, 95% of business-to-business buyers have done research on the company before they even contact them. 95%. So they're doing their homework too. And what does that mean to you as a persuader, as a closer? A lot. Because in the past, you'd meet someone, you meet a prospect, you go from A to Z. Very beginning to the very end. Here's our company, here's our product, what do we do? And if you do that now, you're going to lose them. Their guys going to roll back. They'll become indifferent and want to leave because you're telling them stuff they already know. They've done the research. So you need to ask the questions to see what homework they've done. Maybe you need to start at M. Maybe they're at Y and I just need a few things before they say yes. You have to start persuading where they are in the process. It's one of the most important things I can add to this that is a big shift in the world of persuasion and sales. And the final one, not getting to the decision makers. From what I see, most people have done better. It's still a big challenge to where people lie now. Yeah, I'm the decision maker. You're like, you're ready to do it? Like, well, I'm not the decision maker. You're like, you said you're the decision maker. We see that all the time. So make sure, verify they're the decision maker. Let me add to this. There will be a lot of lying. It's hard to call people out at this point in the sales process. I mean, you can, you can verify it. But here's my advice to you as a closer. If they're not the decision maker, find out who is. But don't let that person persuade that other decision maker. Nobody knows your product service idea better than you do. 
You need to be in that room with the other person. Otherwise, the person you just talked to for 60 minutes will summarize some of it in one minute and the other person will say no. Try to be in the room. Say, I need to be there. Answer questions. Let me give the presentation. Let me take the next step. Be available for Q&A or on the phone while they're there in case they get stuck. Do something. Be on the Zoom call if you can. Even if you have to prep them to give that presentation, if they won't let you in there, give them the top five things to talk about, the top five benefits. Otherwise, they will not be able to persuade like you. So Matt, for the most part, pretty good, pretty solid. A lot of those are old school and have changed. I guess not changed, but we need to adapt to the new world to the new changes, create a more positive sales experience. Only other ones I would add to is, I kind of mentioned it, the data dump, the vomiting on others. But I always said on the big three, I've talked about these before, your default setting is that you persuade people how you like to be persuaded. No, you need to adapt to them. Number two, your goal is to help them persuade themselves. It reduces resistance and get more tools. Learn to adapt, get more tools to adapt to that person. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Matt, we'll send you the gold version of InfluenceUniversity.com. But remember, the special we're running right now. Go to PresentationIQ.com. Take your assessment. See where you're ranked. It's 10 questions. And for taking it, not only are we going to peg your strengths and weaknesses, not only does that help with my research, but you get access to my full training, the perfect persuasive presentation. You get the video. You get the template, everything you need to know to quit vomiting, to quit informing and start influencing and get more yeses. Simple win-win all the way around. Check it out at presentationiq.com. Thanks for being here. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about Maximize Your Influence. You can find us under Maximize Your Influence on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So take one of the principles, one of the thoughts today, Use it, apply it, put it in your toolbox, become more influential, a better negotiator, a better person, and go out and persuade with power.